Hey, good morning, everybody. Today is the day that you take charge of your finances. Today may be kind of a dismal day wherever you live. I know where we're broadcasting from. It's kind of kind of a little bit rainy today, but today is the day you begin to have more money in your wallet or your purse, and it's very easy. The day you begin to save thousands with Robert Palmer. He is dedicating this program to empowering you through throughout knowledge, to give you the knowledge, to give you the power, to give you the insight into the predatory financial system that's designed more and more ways to take your money. And you'll find that this is an easy and an enjoyable process, especially when Friday comes and you've got more money. At the end of the month, you've got more money. At the end of the year, you've got more money. Good morning, Robert Palmer. Hey, good morning, Rob. Good morning, everybody uh, out here listening. It's a beautiful Tuesday. What, Tuesday morning? Yeah, this that's a great, great day. Man. This is great. Yeah, so uh, as promised uh, from yesterday, you know, I uh, we I said I'm going to talk about debit cards and credit cards today. And uh, I I had forgot, I kind of forgot this because I've been doing it for so long, I forgot what a big deal it was. And uh, I actually had, uh, I had drinks with one of our radio reps. And, you know, he, I did this on one of my first shows ever, and he really took it to heart and remembered it. And, uh, you know, so I, we we're going to cover it again today. So here's the deal. Uh, <clears throat> I personally do not carry a check card or a debit card or whatever you want to call it. So I have I have credit cards. And uh, personally, I'm an American Express fan because I have to pay it off every month, right? That's you know, when right. you talk about the ability to carry a balance and maybe forget to pay it off or whatever, American Express doesn't work that way. You got to pay these guys off. So it, that's pretty simple. And, uh, and then I have an ATM card, right? Not a check card, not a debit card. There is no option to sign. There's no Visa logo on it. Uh, it is a straight-up ATM card. So if you don't know the PIN number, uh, you're not getting anything done. Uh, the other thing is I the the account. Then again, I'm just kind of I'm gonna lay out there exactly how I do it, and, uh, and then we're gonna talk about why I do it this way uh, because there is there is some uh, method to my madness. We're gonna talk about the the logic behind it. So uh, I have uh, I have a separate account that that ATM is tied to that ATM card. Excellent. And so there's only it's the, there's only one account at that bank that the ATM card can get to. And so I only keep a certain amount of money in it because, I, you know, there's just too many opportunities today for people to steal. And you, you see all this stuff in the news about ATMs getting raided and, and debit cards being stolen. And so this is the way I personally do it. So I have my main account. I have my savings account. Neither of those are accessible from the ATM card. Then I have a third account that the, is accessible by the ATM card. And I keep, I keep like 500 bucks in there, mm -hmm. right? Now, if I ever needed to get more than that, I can go on my phone and I can do an online transfer from the savings account or the main checking account over to my little ATM only account, but it's like a firewall. So if somebody ever did jack my ATM card and figured out my PIN number or whatever, they uh, they cannot get to my money, right? I like that. And so the the biggest the big and that that may be a little overkill. I mean that that's my own kind of you know I see too many you know with the thousands of people we deal with at RP funding a year, you'd be amazed how many people have been victims of identity theft or victims of credit card theft. And so I'm a little paranoid about it, but here's the big, here's the big kicker. Uh, a lot of people love their check card or their debit card. What, what, what do you call it, Rob? Do you call it a check card or a debit card? When you, when you sign instead of, you know, it's, it's oh. your, you sign instead of your pen number. What do you call mm -hmm. that? I call that a debit card. Debit card, sure. right. debit card, check card, what, you know, one of the, whatever. So the idea is as soon as you swipe it, it comes out of your bank account immediately, right? whatever. I mean, within yeah. a day or two you're not waiting to pay a bill, right? And so one of the benefits, so I just, I just want to run you through a transaction. So let's say that, that my American Express uh, statement ended on the, the last day of the month, right? So let's mm -hmm. say every, every month on the 30th is when they generate my statement. And then you have a 25-day grace period to pay. So I have to pay that off by the 25th before I'm charged the interest. So what's cool is if I make a large purchase on the first day of the month, I have the full 30 days until the statement drops, and then I have 25 more days until I have to make the payment. Talk about cash flow. So you get 55 days of interest-free money, right, by using a credit card, right? When everybody thinks credit card, they think, oh, credit cards are going to cost me interest. Credit cards charge interest. Well, when you use a credit card, if you use it correctly, you can get 50, up to 55 days of interest-free money. Now, when you use a debit card or a check card, do you lose your money within two to three days? Maybe sometimes faster. I mean, yeah. what do you see, Rob? Yeah. Right. I tell you what, if I used, last time I used one before you and I reunited on the radio, I had one, I ran it through for gas, got in the car, drove to my house, got on the computer, 
look, checking my bank statement, it was already gone. And no PIN number, right? And they're not using no. the ATM PIN number. I'm, talking, I'm yeah. talking about within, what, five minutes? Wow, yeah. So, <laughs> Boom. So here, so one, I mean, as financial ninjas, there's a real opportunity there to, you know, to make some money. If you look at, if you look at 55 days of your average spending, so that's two months worth of spending that you can have floating around out there interest-free, which is then money you could stick in a mutual fund, money you could use to pay off other debt, money you could do other things with. There's a power there uh, because using leverage appropriately is a, uh, is a big way we as consumers can exert power back over creditors. Uh, but the bigger thing is, and here's the bigger thing, and so... Uh, my my now wife and I, I love to tell stories about Jill, and she gets, you know, I get I get yelled at when I get home from work <laughs> or when she comes to the office to see me. Uh, and so anyway, so on one of our, our very first dates, uh, we went to a club in downtown Orlando. And uh, we were in like, a, I don't even know what you call it. It was like, a, we were in like a little couch area, almost like, a, like an indoor cabana. I like those. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and her purse got stolen. Oh. Right? And so her purse was kind of, and her purse got stolen. And uh, it, she had a debit card, a check card in there, a debit card in there. And and so, you know, by the time she contacted all her banks and everything, they had run all over Orlando putting gas in every person they could possibly find's oh, car. Man. And and they ended up, they managed to run her balance down uh, to almost nothing in her checking account. Because remember, when someone steals your debit card, they are now taking money directly out of your checking account well guess what rob we just happened see in the, in the mortgage business the end of the month is always really really stressful yes and you know a lot of people want to close on their home loans and jill and i work together at a big mortgage company at this time and uh so at the end of the month is very stressful so when did we go out we went out on like the first or second day of the month because oh, after the big rush no. so all of a sudden jill's bank account is drained down to near zero around the second day of the month so what do you think happened next rob her rent check bounced. Okay. Uh-huh. Why did her rent check bounce? Because someone stole her debit card. And before you can talk to the bank, and, and we're going to talk about how long it takes the bank to put the money back. So now there's overdraft fees. Now, you know, now her landlord thinks she's a deadbeat. You know, all of these things are happening because of the stupid debit card. Mm-hmm. And this is when I decided I would no longer carry a debit card because I saw you know, how damaging it can be when somebody steals your debit card. So let's rewind and say that same thing had happened with a credit card. With a credit card, the money wouldn't have come out of her bank account. You know, the payment wouldn't have been due for up to 55 days later, which gives you a lot of time to argue and get it removed before it ever actually affects your finances. But with a debit card, when someone steals your debit card, they can instantly wreck you financially because now you're going to get hit with overdraft fees. You may not be able to go buy food. Your rent may bounce. Your car payment may bounce. I mean, who knows what all can happen. And so the bank legally has 10 days to, to put the money back. But they can say they need more time to do further investigation. And they can drag it out for even longer. So they're supposed to put it back within 10 days. But they have ways to drag it out and push it even longer. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you could be 10, 20, however many days without your money if you're using the debit card, right? The other big kicker is, so when it comes to fraud protection, and now some banks may have overriding rules for this, so you need to check with your bank. Mm-hmm. But as far as federal law goes, as far as the vast majority of banks, when you have a credit card and it gets stolen, you are only liable for the first $50 of the fraud, all right? no matter when you report it, all right? So if you report it, well, if you report it before the charges are made, then you're reliable for $0. But if you report it after the fact, you're only liable for $50, all right? Mm -hmm. With a debit card, with a debit card, you're liable for the $50 if you report it in the first two days. If you don't figure it out until day three, that liability jumps up to $500, so if you report it between day two, and I think it's either day 30 or day 60, uh, but and then once you go past that day 30 or day 60, then you're liable for the entire thing. There's, wow. There is zero protection. And so if you're not someone who checks their checks their balances daily, you know, on their, on their phone or whatever, or even every two days, you could find yourself in a situation where you're liable for $500 of the stolen card charges on your debit card, where if you had made those same charges, those same transactions, that same stolen situation that happened, 
on a credit card, you'd be liable for only fifty dollars. Wow. All right. You know, and I'm also thinking, Robert, about along the line in Jill's case, what about the person out there who also has an awful lot of reoccurring charges automatically, like for Netflix and stuff like that? Then those kick back. Oh, and, and then you're starting to get some credit kits, right? Oh, and, and what you're getting is overdraft fees, right? I mean, yeah. so I, there was a study done recently that, that check, heavy check card users are like three times as likely to get hit with overdraft fees. Wow. Because the bank will let it go through, like... If your credit card is going to max out, they will decline the transaction. Your bank will let it go through just so they can charge you the overdraft fee. Because think about it. If they give you, if you go over by $1, they approve the charge, and they pop you for a $35 overdraft fee, right? This is how banks make money. The only thing in life that is more expensive than interest, and it is ridiculously more expensive than interest, is overdraft fees. The fact that you can pay a $35 overdraft fee on a $1 transaction. <laughs> I don't even know what the interest rate is on that. I My calculator doesn't have that many zeros on it uh, to tell you what the interest rate is on that, right? It, it is the most expensive thing, and it's where banks make a lot of money. And so th- this, I, this theft is out there happening, and they're draining your account, and now all your auto debits are running through, and your rent's bouncing, and your car payments are bouncing, and your Netflix bounces, and your gym membership bounces, and all of a sudden you're smacked with like $1,000 worth of overdraft fees, and all that money is gone, you know, and now you're trying to go back and fight with the bank and get it refunded. And now they're doing their investigation. Uh, and, and that entire time, you don't have that money. Mm-hmm. So imagine if your bank account goes from positive 1000 or positive 2000 to negative $1,000. You know, you've still got to eat. You've still got to take care of your family. And so if you don't believe in credit, right, if you are afraid of credit, Right. What is that? Rule number four, Rob? Rule number four. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Rule number four, don't fear credit. If you fear credit in this situation, see, luckily for my wife, for Jill, she had a credit card. She had an American Express card. So while she was waiting to resolve everything out, you know, with the bank, she could still eat. I didn't have to buy her dinner. You know, I, I think I did that night, but you know, then I ignored her for three days. So oh, you know, it worked out. Um anyway, three day thing in the day. Yeah. So uh you know, which again, I do not recommend. Uh, I have a whole, I have a whole new three day rule now, which has to do with large purchases, uh, which which our, our loyal listeners know about the three day rule, uh, the financial three day rule, not the dating three day rule. Um, but again, so think about that though. If you don't have any credit cards, and all because you're afraid of credit, right? And all you have is a check card, and that check card gets stolen, and that that check card gets run up because they can run it up quick. Yes, I mean can. it doesn't. You know, I, I I think maybe it took her an hour hour and a half to realize her purse was gone. And they'd already they already cleaned her out, you know, going from from uh, from ga- see because they they know what gas stations want the billing zip code and they know what gas stations don't. They know what stores won't check ID. Like yeah, criminals are pretty crafty. Yeah, they I mean, are. they've got a game plan. It's not just that they're gonna steal the purse and then be like, oh, let me. Well, what do I do now? Like they've got a game plan. It's like, all right, one, two, three, break. Like you <laughs> take the card and go to the Costco on whatever road, and you go over here and you go over here, and we're gonna clean this lady out in thirty eight minutes or less. You know, that, that, that's the game plan for a criminal. So uh, having only a debit, I think having a debit card, period, a check card, period, and, and especially because a lot of people only have one bank account, right? So you are, you are giving the keys to your only bank account, carrying it around in your wallet or in your purse at all times. Uh, and, and so I am a big proponent of not having one. And now let me tell you, trying to get your bank to issue you a good old-fashioned ATM card, that doesn't have the Visa check card logo on it, that doesn't have the Visa debit card or the MasterCard debit card, whatever logo on it, that can only be used as an ATM card, this is a, as big a fight as anything else. I mean, that they do not want to give you a good old-fashioned ATM card. No, they don't. But, sir, it's so convenient. <laughs> I don't want your convenience. I want protection. Well, sir, for an added fee, we can give you that protection. Oh, come on now. like, So I, I can get a credit card. And I can have 55 days interest-free on my money, or I can pay you a monthly fee to get the same protection. Like, this does not sound like a good deal to me. And so, if you're out there listening, and you carry around a check card or a debit card or whatever you want to call it, I want you to, I want you to, to be aware of this. And if you're someone who does not have a credit card, because somewhere in life, someone told you that was a good idea, it was a smart move, I'm going to sit here and tell you right now it is not a good idea to not have any credit cards. Now, again, do not carry balances on your credit cards. All right. 
Do not make stupid purchases. Do not live above your means because you have credit cards. Do not buy things you would not otherwise buy because you have credit cards. But have a credit card. All right, there's a lot of protections. There's there's warranty protections you can get. I know when I was buying in the very beginning when I was buying the computers for RP funding, we were like Office Depot or whatever or Office Max or wherever we were, by using a certain credit card, I got like an extra year of warranty for free. You know, there, there's all wow. these little things that happen. And and the thing is, the, the way the laws work, when you swipe that debit card, the merchant gets their money instantly. See, when you use a credit card, the credit card companies can charge back the merchants. They have a lot more uh, they have a lot more authority, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a credit type relationship, and so uh, the a consumer with a credit card with a good grace period, right? That knows how to use it. And see, so I, I'm so I'm so big on this. Like if my whole system, uh, because I'm very I'm big on on not using interest and floating my money for as long as I can. Sure. So I actually have I have four different credit cards that each one closes out a different week in the month. Right. Very smart. So, because again, what we talked about is using a, if you use a card the day before your statement drops, now you only get 26 days worth of free float on your money. If you use it the day after the statement drops, now you get 56 days of free float. So it's a big difference. So what I do is I, I actually cycle through four cards throughout the, the course of the month. And I'm systematic with this. And so I know this credit card, the statement drops on the last day of the month. This one drops seven days later, seven days later, seven days later. So I am getting at least... 48 days of float. I'm getting between 48 and 53 days of float or 55 days of float on every single purchase I make. And and when you look at the amount of things you can put on a credit card. Oh yeah. I mean, who doesn't take your mortgage your mortgage company won't take a credit card. That's about it. I've had people call before and want to uh want to pay the mortgage on a credit can't can't do it. But, you know, because, again, the amount we make is less than the credit card processing fees for such a big, because the mortgage payment's a big <laughs> transaction. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, I, I mean, you could put everything in life just about on a credit card. And I, that's, see, that, that has a negative connotation for a lot of people. Oh, you're living on a credit card. No, I am abusing the creditor by systematically using my credit cards and then paying them off at the end of the grace period so I can get 55 days worth of free money. Now, when do I change the system? If I know I'm going to be applying for credit and I need to boost my FICO score, well, now, Rob, I can't take the full 55 days of credit because I have to pay it off before the statement comes out. So I I shift gears. So if I know I'm going to buy a new vehicle, if I know I'm going to be buying a house, if I know I'm going to be buying, you know, financing and engagement ring because I can get 14 months no interest, uh, I am going to go ahead and pay them early and not take the full float because I want the zero balance reported on my credit, not the balance. Right. And when you pay on the due date, it's the balance that gets reported even if you pay it off in full. So if you think about of your monthly budget, what percentage of that you can now float for 55 days. All right. That allows you to invest that money. You can put that money in a mutual fund. You know, you can put that money somewhere and you can earn money on it. Um, mm-hmm. if, you have, uh, if you have other credit cards... You can actually use the float to pay them down, and now you're reducing interest. So this is this is an interesting technique, right? And so the, this is a little more complicated. There, there used to be a mortgage product, and they do this in other countries. And so what happens is at the beginning of the month, your entire paycheck goes and pays down. The, they give you a mortgage that's a line of credit. And so your paycheck, your direct deposit on your paycheck, gets deposited directly into that and drops your balance, right? Wow. Then you start paying your bills, and the balance starts creeping back up. But what happens is you get all those days of the lower balance without interest. And so it helps you pay it off faster. And so for people who are in credit card debt, they can, they can do the same thing. If you, if you take things you would have paid cash for, right, and mm-hmm. you, you have to get a different credit card for this. Because once you start carrying big balances, <clears throat> the whole grace period thing just goes away. Yeah. So, uh, so let's say you have an American Express card, which I know can give you 55 days of float, right? And then you've got uh, you've got an old Discover card that you've got a five or six thousand dollar balance on that's at twenty nine percent interest, all right. So if you put a thousand dollars worth of your monthly stuff on your credit card on your American Express card that you would have paid cash for, mm-hmm. and now you take that thousand dollars and you immediately pay it down on your high interest rate Discover card, so you're now going to save uh, two hundred ninety bucks a year. So you're going to save like thirty forty bucks right there in interest. All right. Nice. Twice because you got 55 days. You've got almost two full credit cycles 
yeah. uh, before you have to, to pull that money back off the Discover card and then use it to pay the other bill. And, and so you can use this to reduce your interest liability by three or 400 bucks a year uh, just by using a credit card, maxing out the grace period and, and taking that interest-free money. And so people who are a slave to interest uh, using other people's interest-free money by using credit cards correctly can actually be a part of the strategy to get you out because all of a sudden, you know, that, that 300 bucks, right. I mean, all, all that starts to, it starts to play in there, you know, and And this uh, isn't difficult to do. It's not, it's not, it's not. Wow. So that's it. You know? So uh, again, so if you, if, if all you have is a thousand dollars on that discover card, you could actually pay it off in full, save the interest. And then now you're back out of the system all because you got a new credit card and you and maxed out the grace period, right? This is how Excellent. this is how we have got to use the system to our benefit. So the system was designed by the credit card companies to take advantage of us. The system was designed by lenders, banks, title loan, mortgage companies, financial services companies in general to take advantage of us. However, it's kind of like the movie The Matrix. Yep. You know, when a system has a set of rules, uh, you they can use them to their benefit or Somebody like me can show you how to use them to your benefit. And uh, the fancy word for it is arbitrage, all right? And so by taking advantage of the grace period on one card and timing it correctly, right? So ideally to do this, to do this correctly, you would need, because you can't pay everything on one day. So to get the full 55 days, you got to be like me where you have four credit cards that all have closing dates and all have maximum grace periods. See, when I'm shopping for a credit card, I don't care what the interest rate is. I care about the grace period. How many days after the statement until interest kicks in? How many days after the statement do I have to make the payment? Because, again, if I can stretch my money for 55 days, all right, just $1,000 right there can save me 60 bucks, right, in interest on another high interest rate card and mm-hmm. help me pay off that other high interest rate card. And so by, by systematically moving it around your spending, uh, you can help yourself get out of debt faster by eliminating the interest. And, I, and I'm going to I'm going to put a whole kind of article on this system up on savingthousands.com. I just want to kind of give people the broad strokes today, you know, because, again, I'm basically just telling you what I do. And I'm going to, over time, teach you exactly how to do it and show you how to do it, you know, tell you the cards that have the best uh, the best grace periods and everything else uh, to do this with because it is it is a very powerful strategy. The other thing is the whole time, Rob, you're accumulating points. That's and, right. And uh, so – Personally, with my American Express card, I can turn my points into straight-up cash. So at the end of the year, I will get a $10,000 statement credit by turning all my points back in, which, again, we spend a lot. I and mean, a lot of that's business expenses, business expenses. But, I mean, the average mm-hmm. person can still probably get 500 or or 1000 bucks a year uh, if they're systematically putting, you know, all of their stuff on there. There's these cash-back cards. You know, discovering these guys have a cash back card. Yeah, I love it on and, my Capital One. Yeah, about every four months, I'm able to make a substantial dent. I mean, pay it down so easily. Like, let's say I've got six or seven hundred dollars. Well, three hundred is going to come from them. Three hundred from my bank account, and paid it off. Absolutely, because I pay my credit cards every month. But this this sure helps. Absolutely. So th- this, if you if you are working the system, this becomes free money. Now, just like Vegas wasn't built by winners, uh, the credit card industry was not built by people who are using the system correctly. Uh, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to, to to show you how to do it because even people who what, what happens is the people who are respond and, and I think you know I think this may have even been perpetrated by the credit card companies, right? I think they they don't want very responsible people. Like they don't want me using credit cards. No, they they don't make any money, right? And, and so part of me feels like this whole be afraid of credit was actually created by them because. People who need the credit card, who are living above their means, who have to charge things, they don't have an option to be afraid of credit. But by scaring off all the people who are financially well off enough that they don't have to have credit, they really don't want us. Because somebody who charges systematically and pays off right at the at the end of the grace period every month and maximizes the grace period, when they see a huge charge come through the day after the statement drops, and now they're going to have to give you that money for 55 days with no interest. They hate that. And, and you got, I mean, I'll, I'll do that with like a, I mean, I've done that with like a $150,000 TV bill before, you know, so you want to calculate the interest they lost on me getting a TV bill interest-free for 55 days because so you're, I, so you're buying I your advertising. 
On credit cards. On the credit card. Yeah, yes, absolutely I am. Take a round-the-world cruise every year. And let me tell you how much money I save, <laughs> actually make back by doing this strategy. And so where I'm doing it on a bigger scale, you can do it on any scale. I mean, money's relative. Life is relative, right? Uh, the little bit of extra work it takes you, it's okay. I mean, so if you take the larger purchases you have in life and you strategically time it, to where, you know, the, the first option is obviously if you can get interest-free money from them, right? So, like a, a furniture company who does 18 months no interest, mm-hmm. a jewelry store that does 12 or 18 months no interest, those are powerful. I mean, that's real money. And, and if you think about how much you can save and basically then earn yourself by getting their money for free, and if that's not available, having a credit card, I mean, 55 days is a long time. I mean, that's almost two full two full months a cycle. I mean, that that's that's one-sixth of whatever interest you can go out there and earn. And, and so in addition to whatever they give you, so, so let's, let's say that right now, you know, in a, in a mutual fund, a safe mutual fund, you know, and this is a lowball number, let's say you can only earn 6% a year. So with this 55-day strategy, that's 1% right there. Boom, you get one-sixth, it's two-twelfths, right? Mm-hmm. Two, two of the 12 months, two-twelfths of the annual interest, which is one-sixth. So if you can get 6% a year, that's 1%. So by putting, you know, a thousand bucks on a credit card and and taking advantage of the fifty-five day uh, window, there's ten bucks. Just just like that, that's ten bucks, right? Well, this add up, adds up the more and more you do it. There's ten sure bucks, does. and then you take into account that you can get cash back from some of these credit cards. And so again, uh, there are people who are really really good at this. I don't go to this extent, uh, but there are other people. They they figure out okay. Uh, this credit card gives me bonus cash back on groceries. And this credit card gives me bonus cash back on gas. And this credit card gives me bonus cash backs at bonus cash back at the office supply store. Or this credit card gives me bonus cash back over here, over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, I mean, you can have a wallet with five or six weapons in it. And so when you're buying gas, you use one card. And when you're buying groceries, you use another card. And all of a sudden, you're maximizing all of this cash back and all these points. And, and it's powerful. It's it's free money if you do it correctly. And again, most people don't do it correctly. Most people either say, well, I have the money, so I'm just going to pay cash. And when you do that, the credit card company wins because now you don't take advantage of them for 55 days. Other people say, I don't have the money, so I'm going to charge it. And since they never had the money in the first place, at the end of the 55 days, the statement period plus the grace period, they can't pay it off. So now the credit card company gets rich. If the person who had the cash in the first place would use the credit card and then systematically pay it off at the end of the grace period, that is where the credit card company loses. And that's what I do. And you can't do this with a debit card, right? You can't do this with a prepaid uh, check card or whatever they call it, the like the green dot cards, right? Oh, yeah. The only way to do this is with a good old-fashioned credit card. At the same time, your credit score will be higher because people with no credit, people who don't have any credit cards, their credit score is actually lower. Uh, the system penalizes you. And, and you can say all you want, I'm not going to be a slave to Mr. FICO, or I don't need a credit score. That is BS. <laughs> there is so much in life that you cannot do without a credit score. And it will sneak up on you. And one day your kid won't be able to go to college because you didn't have a credit score. Or you won't be able to, to get, maybe you go to start a small business, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, if there is any chance of you ever, 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 ever being in business for yourself, you have got to have a great FICO score. I've got a friend who went and you know got hit real hard in the crush and the crash. But by golly, they went to get insurance from one of the big ones. They couldn't get insurance because their their credit was so low. Can you imagine that? So they had to go to one of these almost a buy here, pay here insurance places. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, paying a gargantuan rate when they could have been paying a hundred a month. They were paying over three hundred a month. I had credit. I am a big proponent, obviously, of entrepreneurship. I'm a big proponent of small business. Uh, I think a lot more people should should take that chance should go into business for themselves, should open a small business. Uh, I think small businesses are where the change comes from. You know, I think small businesses are the most likely to follow the saving thousands principles we talk about and and give those back to their clients. Uh, But I will tell you right now that the chance of your business succeeding is probably cut by 
60 or 70%. I mean, that's uh, like your chance of succeeding is, is it's already rough, right? I mean, most small business, you know, or a good chunk of small businesses fail. It's a hard thing to do. If you do not have credit, if you do not have a credit score, if you cannot get that copy machine on a lease because you have no credit, if you can't get the cheaper insurance because you have no credit, if you can't get those work trucks you need because you have no credit, the chance of opening a small business and it succeeding uh, it becomes slim to none. And and so I, I, I understand why people have the mentality of, I'm just not going to have any credit. I don't need credit. And it, it's almost that kind of, I don't need to borrow anybody's money. You know, my, uh, my, my grandfather was like this. You know, he just, he refused. He paid cash for everything. He refused. It was a different world back then. Yeah. Uh, in, in today's world, uh, there are doors that just will not be open to you if you do not have credit, a credit report, a credit score. Now, I'm not saying debt. I'm not saying maxed out credit cards and paying a bunch of interest and, and, and a slave to it because that's a totally different thing. I'm talking about having access to credit. I'm talking about having a good credit score. I'm talking about having the credit cards uh, and not abusing them but not fearing them either. That's, that's rule number four, right? Mm-hmm. We should all have credit. You know, they're, they're, when you can get a car loan at a 2.9% interest rate, why would you pay cash for that vehicle? You know, just out of your own stubbornness, you know, just so you can say you did. It I mean, doesn't make sense. why wouldn't you dollar. put that, that? I mean, vehicles are expensive these days, Rob. I mean, yeah, 40, 50, 60 grand. <clears throat> so if you're going to, if you can get $50,000 at 2.9% interest for five years or $50,000 at 0% interest when some of the car manufacturers run those types of deals, you put that $50,000 in a mutual fund, you earn three grand a year on it. You know, the guy who finances the vehicle ends up with $15,000 more at the end of the five years than the guy who didn't finance the vehicle and paid cash. How is that being a smart consumer? How is that a good financial decision? Uh, so, again, our own stubbornness uh, or, again, uh, the the misinformation we are given about credit, this this thought that having credit is bad, it's not. And, it, you know, I get it. A lot of people get in trouble with credit. Uh, they want you to get in trouble. Uh, they Everything they are doing, all of their propaganda, everything they're doing is to try to get you in trouble with credit. I'm here to try to teach you how to use credit like a ninja. All right, not like a financial zombie, not just meandering along and and buying things you can't afford and getting popped with huge interest bills every month. And all of a sudden, more of your paycheck is going to interest than is going to the IRS. And that's a scary thing when you think about how much the IRS, that, that's like the tipping point. When when you are paying more in interest than you are paying in income tax, uh, there is a, uh-huh. you know, that, that, that is the, that's the moment of you're buried. Like that, that may be the bankruptcy test in my mind. Uh, if you know, because a, a good chunk of income goes to to tax, and there are people whose interest, because they're so far in debt, is more than their income tax. Um, so again, that, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm not saying be afraid of it either. They're they're the, the new way of thinking. My, my line of thinking <clears throat> is the ride the middle, ride the happy medium. Right? Don't be afraid of credit. Don't abuse credit. Be the the credit ninja. Be the the financial ninja sitting in the middle taking advantage of the creditor by maximizing your benefit. All right. Hey, do you have a question for Robert Palmer? I'm going to make it really easy for you. You don't have to hardly do anything to ask a question right here on Saving Thousands. Here's how you do it. Get out your phone and text Robert. It's so easy. 35353. You don't even have to put his name. You don't have to put his address. You don't have to put in Saving Thousands. 35353 is a brand new texting procedure that you can use to ask RP. Now, if you just want to email him, well, you can do that too. If you have a little bit longer question than a text would hold, you can do that too. You can do it through savingthousands.com or you can do it at askrp at rpfunding.com. That's askrp at rpfunding.com. Let me pass along a couple of phone numbers. Can I do that? Real quick, Rob. So uh, my wife texts me. Uh Uh-oh. And and she said... uh, you said it's a beautiful Tuesday and it's raining. That is a beautiful Tuesday. I, I, maybe I like the rain, babe. I like. Maybe it. I'm okay with it. You know, I I, I don't have to run my sprinklers and, and pay yeah. my association money when I'm. You know, it, it's God's a, doing it. It's a beautiful Tuesday here in the RP Funding Studio. <laughs> it is. Uh, it may be raining outside. It's redecorated over yeah. there. Uh, thanks for giving me a hard time. But yeah, she did. She, and, and I don't know. I don't know exactly how she sent me one of these little faces right in the text. And I don't even know what. I don't know what you would call this. What, what would you call that, Rob? I think you're having lunch by yourself today. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a beautiful Tuesday. It's rainy, and 
Babe, why don't you text me back and tell me how you would describe that little face you sent me? I, I don't know what yeah. I don't know what you would call that. I thought she was sending you an Ask RP yeah, yeah, at three five three five three. That would have been a lot better. She should have. All right, if you've got a question again, three five three five three. It's a new texting way. You don't have to put anything in the recipient or contact, but three five three five three. Hey, if you want to know what your home is worth, you want to know what your house is actually worth. Well, you know, RP funding saves an awful lot of people an awful lot of money with their zero lender fees, the best rates, home of the validated pre-approval, and home of the $1,000 price match guarantee. Yeah, they power this show. RP funding does, the Saving Thousands show. So we want you to call their office at 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634, lender license 70168. And don't forget, you can ask RP at rpfunding.com. Telling you what, Robert, people are learning today. I bet nobody out there thought of this this whole 55-day thing. Yeah, This she, is big. She texted me back, Robert. She said, that's the no one likes to be out in the rain face. Oh. I didn't even know we had one of those on our phone. I these, have an umbrella. These phones are amazing technology. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you an RP funding umbrella, Rob. We got some. I need one of them. We got some nice ones floating around. Yeah, so again, th- there are ways to take advantage of the system. Uh, because any system that's based on rules... Uh, either they can use the rules to take advantage of us, or we can use the rules to fight back and take advantage of them. Uh, and and credit cards are one of the easiest ways to do that. But there there's tips and tricks like this. There's ways to do it with mortgages. There's ways to do it with uh, with student loans. There's ways to do it with car loans. There's ways to do it with every type of credit. The, the foundation of it all is having a good credit score. Uh, I I, per, I personally like I I almost treat my credit score like a video game, Rob. Like I'm. I'm obsessed like with, with once a week checking my score and seeing where I'm at and making sure it's staying perfect. And, uh, and you know, it just, uh, you know, you, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, uh, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big proponent of that. And I, I want people to learn. I don't want people to be afraid. I don't want people to be scared of credit. I don't want people to be scared uh, of, of credit scores, of credit reporting. Uh, yeah, they've caused a lot of damage for a lot of people because those people didn't know the rules. And, you know, the, the example I've used you in the past you know, is if, if, if we're sitting down and and uh, we're playing chess and you're playing by the checkers rules and I'm playing by the chess rules, Ooh. yeah, you're going to lose. <laughs> and and so my job as a part of the Saving Thousands Charter is to come on here every day and, and show people the rules and teach people how they can turn the system and turn the table and put the power back in their hands. So uh, do, we, do we have some Ask RPs, Rob? Well, we really do. And this one's fresh because you're talking about credit cards right now and you're talking about your, your float time on credit cards. But on an earlier show, these people said they had to get out of their car and go into work, and they didn't have us on their smartphone for some crazy reason. And they say, repeat what you said earlier a few weeks ago about raising your credit score by proper use of a credit card through payments. Yeah, so the the key is the the way to increase your credit score, there's two factors when it comes to credit cards. And that, that one is, well, actually, there's three big factors. How long you've had the card. And so mm-hmm. you can't really fix that other than stay with the plan. Right. So when you first get a new credit card, it hurts your credit score because the thought is, what if this is the one that puts him over the edge, right? What if, what if this is the card that causes Robert to go crazy and run down to Best Buy and buy 17 television sets, eight MacBook pros, and then go throw the party of the century at a bar and buy everybody rounds of drinks and, and whatever and he's going to max out this credit card, and he's never going to pay it back, and this is the beginning of his financial destruction. Amen. Right? So that that may be the card. Well, after six months of using it properly, now the credit score says, okay, whew, it wasn't the card. You know, his extra five or $10,000 credit limit isn't enough to make him go crazy and forget how to pay his bills on time. But for some people, this happens. Some people, they get that new shiny credit card with just the right limit on it, and all of a sudden the world is their oyster, and that card gets run up to max and never gets paid back. So the credit companies have figured out that in the first six months of you having a new credit card, there is a higher risk of you doing something stupid. And so they lower your credit score uh, because you may do something stupid. And then at the end of the six months, they take away that penalty, and now the fact that you've paid it on time and used it wisely moves your score up. Mm-hmm. But there is this, they put you in the penalty box for the first six months when you have a new debt. Uh, the next big factor they look at that a lot of people don't realize is what's called uh, credit utilization. Utilization. So what is your proportion of balance to your limit? So if I have, let's say uh, I have $1,000 on my credit card. All right. If my credit limit is $1,000, then that means I am maxed out. Trouble. Which is a bad sign. If I have a $500,000 limit, 
then that thousand bucks is like a rounding error, right? <laughs> so, so it's all proportion. So they don't look and say, oh, Robert has a thousand dollars on his credit card. Let's ding his score. Because for some people, that thousand dollars may be a lot. For some people, maybe a little. They don't know what your income is, right? Now, this is another misconception. There is nothing in your credit report that tells them how much money you make. Really? So they don't know if you can afford your credit or not. The signals they can use, though, is how much are your limits. Because the idea is someone who has $100,000 of the limits makes a lot more money than someone with $1,000 of the limits. And so it's not the balance that kills you. It's that balance in proportion to the limit. So $1,000 balance, $1,000 limit, 100% utilization, big negative sign, will drop your credit score 70, 80, 90 points. Ooh. Okay. $1,000 charge, $1,000 balance, $20,000 limit. Not going to hurt your score nearly as much. And now that's mm-hmm. not single card. They don't look at it and say, oh, well, he's got a $1,000 card over here and it's maxed out and he's got a $5,000 card over here that's not. They take all of your cards and blend them together. Okay. So if, if, you, have a, if you have five cards that are 20000 each, then you have $100,000 total available. And so they would take your $1,000 balance, no matter which card it's on, and look at it against the total of 100000 And that's a very low utilization. Yeah. If you have two cards that are $500 each, you have $1,000. And if each one is maxed out, that's $1,000. If one's maxed out, that's $500 of $1,000. This is how they calculate credit utilization. Uh, they don't tell you what the hard numbers are. I will tell you as you get above 80%, 90%, it starts to really crush your score. Uh, as you get between 35 and... 60 or 70%, it just seems to not have a big impact on your score. And then as you get below 35%, uh, it, it actually helps your score a lot. The other weird thing is, I think, and, and I, 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 there's no manual for this, right? They don't, they don't want you to know the secrets. And so I actually, like, I play around with this. Like, I will purposely try different balances and just see what it does to my score. Really? And, and so I, I feel, and I don't have enough research to really back this up, but I feel like leaving $1 on the card helps you because now it's not just saying he doesn't use the card at all, right? Because if your card is always zero balance, they don't know if that means you used it and paid it off or if you never used it at all. And so when all your cards are zero, they can hit you with a penalty, which is lack of utilization, which is the craziest thing ever. And they, I think they've taken this out of the newer versions of FICO. Mm-hmm. See, that's the other problem. When I run one of these experiments, we talked about this on an earlier show, there's like 72 different versions of FICO now. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, there, there's the lender, there's the mortgage version, there's the credit card version, there's the, the auto version, then there's like four different versions. There's FICO 8, FICO 4, FICO 5, FICO 6, and everybody's using a different one. And so when I run an experiment, like some scores will go up, some scores will go down. It just goes to show how crazy the, the, the scoring model is across the different uh, formulas they use. Uh, but so I, I like to leave like a dollar. On the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's just superstition. I don't know. but So on a couple of my cards, I will purposely pay off all but a dollar. Uh, and I, and I, I feel like my credit score has been its best when I have left that $1 out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know the logic behind it. But again, I'm a, I'm a tinkerer, right? Like I, I like to get in there and turn the knobs and try to figure out what's doing what. And, and that's, that's where a lot of my knowledge has come from when it comes to credit is just playing with it. That and I, I see thousands of credit reports a year. I mean, we probably pull... What do I think we pull? We probably pull 20,000 credit reports a year at RP Funding. That gives you a great deal of insight as yeah. to how people either do or don't on their credit. So when I want to tinker, I've got, I mean, I probably have 200,000 credit reports in our storage system at this point that I can go back and, and tinker with and look at and say, okay, well, this guy's got a great score. What's his file look like? And this guy's got a terrible score. What's his file look like? And then the, the final thing and the most obvious is pay it on time, Right. If you, if you, the fastest way to kill your credit score is miss a payment. Now, missing a payment does not mean one day late. Missing a payment does not mean 15 days late. The payment does not get reported as missed on your credit report until you are a full 30 days late. All right, 30 days. So if the payment is due on the first, as long as you make it by the end of the month, right, you're going to be okay. It's not going to report late. So a lot of people, what will happen is they'll, they'll forget and they'll go 15 days late, right? And they'll get the late fee. And now they think they've ruined their credit and they give up. Where they still have 15 days to pay it before it reflects negatively on their credit. So again, it's important to have the knowledge. It's important to know the set of rules. 
So the rule is pay the bill within 30 days of the due date. You should pay it on time because now they can start charging interest and late fees and penalties. But from a pure credit score standpoint, you have 30 days before it will adversely affect your credit score. And then certain things like your cable bill and your electric bill and your cell phone, they don't report unless they go all the way to collection, right? Which is like months. You know, they're going to cut you off. And then months later, if you still haven't paid, they're going to send you to collection. So if you're in a situation where you have to choose, pay the thing that reports on your credit, pay the credit card, pay the car loan, pay the house payment, pay the student loan, pay the loan before you pay the cell phone or the power or whatever else, because usually the power company will let you go a couple months before they shut you off, right? And so by then, hopefully you can get back on your feet. Uh, But don't let those credit cards, car loans, mortgages, anything go past that 30-day late mark. Get them paid before Mm -hmm. they are 30 days late. Rebecca from, uh, oh, she is from Titusville. Rebecca says, Robert, I was listening to some of these so-called finance gurus on the radio Saturday, and in four shows, I heard four different amounts of time that somebody who has had a bankruptcy has to wait before they can apply for another home loan. I'm coming to you because you have the answer. All right, so there are, there probably are four different answers. Uh, they oh, just, they need to no. Ex- <laughs> so here, here, here's, what, here's what I will tell you. Uh, you can get a new loan actually in as little as 12 months after a bankruptcy. I wonder if she heard that one. Yeah, so uh, so if you do a Chapter 13, right, mm-hmm. and then you make your payments on time for 12 months into your Chapter 13, so Chapter 13 means that you are, you're going to repay the money. They reorganize it. They wipe out the interest. They sometimes lower the amount owed, and then you make a payment to the trustee, and the trustee spreads that payment between your creditors, and after a certain number of years, you are good. You're done. You're out of the bankruptcy. So uh, with just one year out of a Chapter 13, you can, uh, you can get a new home loan as long as you made your payments on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, more popular is the Chapter 7, which is where they just wipe all your debt away, uh, and the waiting period there is two years. 24 months. Now, what makes this even more complicated is if you included a house in the bankruptcy. All right. And if you include a house in the bankruptcy and that house subsequently goes into foreclosure or that house subsequently is short sold or whatever happens, that then can create a new waiting period depending on the loan program. So this never really used to be a big deal until the financial crisis when all of a sudden everyone was filing bankruptcy and including houses and then those houses would go to foreclosure sometimes three, four, five years later. Uh, and so it's all pretty it's all pretty convoluted. So what I will tell you is if you have a home, if you had a home included in a bankruptcy, give us a call. Let us take a look. Uh, we're going to pull a public record search to figure out all the pertinent dates around that foreclosure, around that short sale, around that home, in addition to the bankruptcy dates. So if you just have a bankruptcy, it's pretty cut and dry. 12 mm-hmm. months, Chapter 13, two years, Chapter 7. As soon as you put a home in the mix, it really gets difficult. And and this this is this is one of the reasons we have a validation team because sometimes our, our loan officers get confused about all the different rules when it comes to a home that was included in a bankruptcy. And so whenever someone has a bankruptcy with a home in it, we, re, we go immediately to the validation team. We cannot issue any type of pre-approval here until the validation team has reviewed it because there are so many different little nuances. that We have to look at the filing date. We have to look at the the deed transfer date. We have to see if there's a deficiency judgment. Did you short sale it? Did it go into foreclosure? Did you do a deed in lieu of foreclosure? When was the bankruptcy? Was the home fully discharged in the bankruptcy? This is a big one, Rob. Did you discharge the home in the bankruptcy, then reaffirm the home, which means you're saying, oh no, take it out of the bankruptcy. I'm going to make my payments. And then only then end up letting it go into foreclosure because then you're stuck because now it's like, you filed bankruptcy. You said, no, no, I'm going to keep the house. And then you let the house go into foreclosure. That's like the kiss of death. Oh, and no. for us to figure that out, we have to look at a lot of paperwork. And and so this is where our validation team is so critical because it's part of our underwriting department. And they pull, uh, we call it a drive report. It's like a full public record search that shows us all the pertinent dates. We want to look at those full bankruptcy papers. It's very complex. And the last thing we want to do here is give you the wrong answer. Now, a lot of mortgage companies just will shoot from the hip and they let their loan officers issue pre-approvals with no oversight and they will probably give you the wrong answer. And what we found is the number one reason people were getting denied at the last minute was because 
they had a combination of a bankruptcy with a house in it and didn't really understand what happened. They didn't understand that their attorney reaffirmed it. They didn't understand their attorney didn't include it properly. They didn't understand the ramifications of, of letting it go to foreclosure versus a deed in lieu and all these different things. And so that's why we put those loans on mandatory validation up front. We won't give you any type of pre-approval when you have a bankruptcy with a house included until we've reviewed everything. Hmm. And so some people say, well, Robert, the other guy, he'll give me the pre-approval letter. He doesn't want to see my bankruptcy papers and he doesn't want to see all the research on the foreclosure. Well, he, then you have like a 70% chance of him denying you the day before closing. I know the statistics because we close a lot more loans than anybody else does. And I looked at the statistics and I saw that the biggest risk we had of our pre-approval being invalid was when we didn't have all the facts about a bankruptcy that included a home. So just like she heard four answers on the radio, uh, there are a lot of different answers, and that's why we are doing mandatory validation in the underwriting department before the pre-approval on every single loan that meets that criteria. So if, if you're in that situation, if you want to get the strongest pre-approval in the industry, if you want to get that RP funding validated pre-approval, it's a simple phone call. It's free. It doesn't cost you a dime. There's no, there's not even an obligation to use us. You can get the RP funding pre-approval and then go get a mortgage from somebody else. I don't know why you would, but you can. There's no yeah. obligation. Yes, 855-773-8634. That is the phone number here at RP Funding. My wonderful staff of 120, 130 people out there are standing by to help you. 855-773-8634. 855-RP-Funding. Rob, we're down to about our last two minutes here on this uh, rainy but beautiful Tuesday. I think Jill's going to have a meeting with us right after this about how we open the show, I guess. Anyway, she's great. Anyhow, folks, if you are learning from this and you have a question for Robert Palmer, RP, I guess you figured out by now the RP is Robert Palmer. Anyway, just text it to us. It's real easy at 35353. All right. That's all you got to put in on your uh, texting feature of your smartphone is 35353. It's a brand new texting system. Also, you can always go to savingthousands.com and you can hear our shows, our archives. You can look them up and look up a show, listen to it, enjoy it, share it with friends. And one of the rules that Robert has in our rules is share what you learn on this program with your family, your friends, your coworkers, because if we're empowered, we're not going to be falling to those people that are preying on us from the banks, the credit card companies, and even other finance companies. And boy, they can do it. All right, Rob, we got one minute left, yep. and I just got a question over the text. Cool. It says, uh, if you have old, bad credit department charge-off, what do you do first to try to fix it? All right, hey. so th there's a couple things. If you're getting close to the point where it's going to fall off, which is 7 to 10 years, depending on the type of debt, it may be worth it to just let it go. Uh, I would recommend calling them and asking them what it would cost to settle it. So say, hey, if I pay you in full— or not in full, if I pay you X amount, how much do I have to pay you right now to call this thing settled? And better yet, if I pay you right now, will you delete it from my credit? A lot of times they will. So uh, before you send them any money, before you pay anything, just make a simple phone call and ask them, hey, you know, if I wanted to take care of this, what are my options? Can I pay you 30 cents on the dollar, 40 cents on the dollar? And if I pay you that, will you delete it from my credit? So we're out of time. If you've got a question, text it to 35353. Mm -hmm. You're saving thousands with me, Robert Palmer. Tune in tomorrow morning, 9 to 10. We'll be back taking your calls or taking your texts, answering your questions, and having a good time. Thanks for listening. I'm RP. Have a great day.